welcome to Where's My Blueprint podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences, navigating adulthood, and what we learned along the way. We invite you to join our weekly conversations while we create our own blueprints on this amazing journey and hope some of the lessons we learned can help you. Here are my co-hosts, Nay and Sunny D. Hey everybody, it's your girl Sunny D here to brighten up your day. I'm a new business owner transitioning from corporate America. And frankly, I can't trust anybody that don't like tacos. Hey friends, I'm Nay. I'm so excited to share and grow with y'all. I'm a full-time wife, full-time mommy, and part-time employee. Nutella is my love language. This is your girl, Nakai, and I am your host on Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys here, and I love brownies and seaweed. So let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, episode 15. We are so glad you guys are here with us. And before we get started, we'll have a word from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us once again. It's your girl, Sunny D, here to tell you about Divine Timing. That's your one-stop shop for all things adulting. They have all of your uh, digital downloading products online, your planners, your journals. We also have a coupon code for you guys to use at checkout. It's WMB22. Put that in at checkout. Save on everything on the website. Get your life together. Have fun. Yes. Today, we're going to be continuing talking about life after college, uh, learning how to do money, taxes, understanding what the freak how to read a paycheck and healthcare like this whole entire crazy thing of healthcare um before we get into that you know we start out every single episode with a quote and today's quote is by Warren Buffett if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep you will work until you die what do you ladies think about that quote I mean, I see where he's going for, but I don't 100% agree with it, but it sounds good. It does sound good. However, I absolutely can attest to making money while you sleep so that I can have the freedom to do other things that actually bring me joy and fill my heart. So that's kind of where, um, that's where I'm gonna take that. Well, let's get into the topic today. So either or, a private doctor or universal healthcare? That's a good question. I'll be the first to tell you, I am not well-versed in universal healthcare, what all that entails, how that whole thing works or functions. I like the idea of when I need some sort of medical assistance that I can just go get medical assistance and not have to hunt and find who takes my insurance, who's closest to me or blah, blah, blah. On the flip side of that same thing, and what I've definitely been doing over the last couple of years is formulating my, because we don't have universal healthcare in the US of A. I've been formulating my healthcare professionals, my medical team, which is called my, call it uh, Operation Melanation. Um, Because I desire for my entire medical team to look like me. So when I'm having certain medical issues, they know what that looks like on Black skin. They know what that looks like in a Black body. And God willing, they'll be more apt to believe when I know that something doesn't feel right. Because it has been like factually proven that some non-melanated medical professionals feel as though Black people don't feel pain or can take more than they do. And I'd be damned if something happens to me because Somebody doesn't believe me. So I'm formulating my team of people I trust that 
look like me on all medical forms? So I'm going with universal health care with the single payer system. So with that, the government provides health insurance for everyone, but doctors' offices and hospitals are still private businesses or nonprofits. And that allows people more choice between doctors and hospital with different approaches to care. There you go. I prefer, I would say for me, it would be a private doctor, but I have a doctor that's a concierge doctor. So that's why I love it. Um, I can call her anytime at any moment and be like, hey, I have a question about this. And sometimes she answers right away. And other times if she's not in Japan and the time difference isn't crazy, um, I'll get an answer really quickly. So I'm going to say private doctor on my end. That's an interesting question. I think there's benefits to both of those options, depending on what lens you're looking at it through, you know? Yeah, kind of aside though, I'm with Sunny D. I love doctors who look like me. My primary care doctor is from Ethiopia and she has been the GOAT in my healthcare needs lately. Now, we're going to get into the topic today, ladies, of life after college. Doom, 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 doom. How did you or who taught you how to read a paycheck? <laughs> <laughs> or if you have learned how to read a paycheck. <laughs> I remember, I specifically remember, and I, this was before college. I had my first job when I was in high school. I was in the senior year, but it was my first gig. And I remember, these are the things that I don't, that I didn't understand at 17, like pay periods, the taxes really get you. I knew how to do math. I knew X amount of dollars an hour times X amount of hours equals my paycheck. And that's what I was supposed to be taking home. But my job was 17. I didn't know any better. So I remember my very first check, I had gotten it and I took it to my dad because we were going to go to the bank to, to deposit it. And the check was like 25 dollars mind you I'd worked like eight nine ten days or something like that and I'm like huh how what it went and then it, it bought, I think it went down to like maybe 18 or something like after taxes or whatever and I'm like what the hell and so my dad had to like actually break it down like what was what and why things are taken out and it turns out I had gotten hired and started working at the tail end of a pay period so I didn't get like an actual check that I was expecting until two weeks later <laughs> So yeah, that was a very big slap in my face. And my dad couldn't do anything but crack up at me. That is so funny. I to remember those days of coming in on half of a pay period, the struggle, like employers, they know better. They should just hire people at the top Thank of you. the pay period. Thank you. That's so stressful. <laughs> that's so stressful. But for me, for some reason, I want to think in school, they had something about reading a pay up. Maybe I'm dreaming of what should have happened but I think I really learned on the fly and in learning on the fly I'm not 100% sure that I truly know how to completely read a paycheck I think I know the basic and enough to get me through and make sure all of my money is present and accounted for but I don't think I am well versed on correctly reading all of it and by correctly reading all of it I mean understanding what each abbreviation and each um, sub category whatever come mean yeah same I know where where my bonus shows up at I know where that I know what that looks like I know where my 401k looks like what I don't know really is like what all of the like the money that the deductions happen like your medicare your social security tax like what they actually do once they leave my paycheck that i'm not well versed in agree very same like i don't remember being in high school and learning this information at all and then i think when i first got my first check i actually asked hr i sat down with hr and i was like i don't understand what any of this means what do where's my money <laughs> 
she was like, because, you know, back in the day, it wasn't like everybody do direct deposit. Um, back in the day, you actually got paper check. Yeah. And true. like when I started, I had to go down to HR, pick up my check and then have to go drive to the bank to deposit it. Like you youngins, y'all got it good now. <laughs> but I asked HR because I opened it when I got home. I was like, I can't read this. I don't know what this where's the, where's the money. And so I went back the next day <laughs> to my HR specialist and I was like, hey, Gail, how you doing? I got some <laughs> questions. <laughs> she was like, what's going on, Nakai? And I was like, I don't know what this means. She was like, what do you mean? Just go cash it. And I was like, so is that it? I just cashed the check. She was like, well, sign the back and then cash it. But I was like, well, what's all this other stuff taken out? I didn't pay for this. I didn't ask for any of this. And she was like, oh, girl, no, that's, you know, the government stuff. They take their money first. I said, but they didn't get permission. Like, did I sign this over? Like, how, who, who said that they can take this amount of money at my already, I'm already struggling type of check. And she was like, girl, sit down. Let's talk. So that's how I learned about it. But yeah, I can absolutely picture you going with your check to HR and being like, excuse me, I have a question. <laughs> of all the people in the world that I know, I can absolutely picture the kind of being like, somebody needs to talk to me because where's my coin? That was me. That was me. The crazy thing is when I am working, I still keep all of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like yes it direct deposits but I need all of my stuff just in case there are some discrepancies like I need my paper trail yes that is I a have fact. my and nay you said you just dropped another gem of uh, keeping track of your pay stubs because if you're so used to getting direct deposit and you're just like oh the money's gonna be there the money's gonna be there when something goes short or they're like what is it called um for us like for me when we used to Nate and I used to drive for work and so we have to really be on top of our mileage, like our gas reimbursement. Baby, I was on top of mine and that's how I figured out because every week I would go and open up paycheck stubs. I would make sure what I put in is what they pay me and make sure it's uh, consistent. But yeah. Girl or when our previous job went from salary to hourly. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Then with some um, magnifying glass eyeglasses, let me go each line item on the check stub type of situations because that is a big jump going from well salary to hourly that for me I I was actually happy (laughs) going from salary to hourly because as salary I was working all these hours but I wasn't getting any additional um coin at all so if I'm at work from starting at I think I started at 9 9 30 um until like 6 6 30 or I had to do something because I had an to get this in or this in and I'm there to 738. I don't get additional two hours bank of PTO. That's just like, oh, we're a salary. You work until your body of work is done. And so when they switched us to hourly, literally the manager came in and was like, we need to talk to you. You're over. Like I was literally over every week, seven to eight hours and they had to pay me. And I was like, well, I like this. Okay. But then I got in trouble. So yes, I did not like going from hourly to salary because I like being in in charge of a body of work. And I really am not a nine to five type of girl. Like the mood hits me and I can be really productive, but then if it ain't hit me, it ain't hit me. And it might take me three hours to do something that on another day may take me an hour. So I like being in charge of a body of work because it gives me the luxury and the freedom to do it at my own pace. So like you, 
uh, I should have known something was up. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Because our manager, before they went to hourly, she was like, um, work-life balance, you might need to get things under control. Because she was suddenly telling me, hey, girl, you ain't about to be able to do this for much longer. But we can get back to what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, man, that's so true. So do either one of you got ladies know what the fuck is FICA? Yes, because I looked it up to research for this episode. <laughs> and I do now because I definitely did not six hours ago. Oh, man. Do any one of you want to explain to our newbie listeners what this word is, our researcher? Okay, so let me clear something up. I knew what it was. I just didn't know what it stands for. So what it stands for is um, Fair Isaac Corporation. And it is the score that lenders use to figure out whether or not you are a good buyer, borrower. So it assesses your credit risk. It determines whether to extend your credit. Um, They have a scale, anything over. 750 is excellent credit mean well very good to excellent credit meaning that you're above average people want to throw you money everything else if you get a 670 to a 739 that's good it starts the ranges from zero all the way to 850 so once you hit that 750 you're pretty much golden once you hit 800 you can pretty much stop worrying about what your score is because you sit you know one thing i did recently learn is that there's more I knew about like credit scores, but like FICO is in the same realm, but it's it's a different scoring system. And then I didn't realize how many scoring systems existed. And I'm like, why are all y'all judging me? It's a lot. Oh, I'm currently looking at this nice little chart. It's um, from marketbusinessnews.com. And so it says... This is how your FICO score is broken down. So 35% is payment history. Another 35% is amount owed. 15% is length of credit history. 10% is new credit. And 10% is credit mix. So I guess in credit mix, that's your student loans, your credit cards, just all the different mix of types of credit you can have. Hmm. That's a lot of judging. It is. Every single thing you do, they are judging you. They are. They really are. Okay. So with your paycheck, did you guys know like the difference between net and gross and like which one you were supposed to take home? Yeah, I figured that out real quick. Y'all know them them good old black Baptist parents gonna make sure you know the difference between net and gross because you're tied. You're yes. supposed to tithe on the on the gross. Don't tithe on your net. You gotta give the Lord all the top of the 10%. So you it. know them black Baptist parents gonna make you know that gross and net. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't you dare tithe on that net. No, no, no. On the gross. On the gross. God gave you all of that. Yes. Even the, to get to the government just decided to take the rest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The IRS said, get y'all pay me first. We know how if we give y'all all of it, y'all ain't paying us. Mm-mm. Taking it first. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is my little smart book was like, okay, so when tax time come, I ain't got to take no ties out of nothing because I already then gave him 10% of the gross. The so this money, around. this money that I'm getting back, that is overpayment. So he good. Yo, <laughs> Sonny D, you just point. got an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> 
Girl, bless your heart. I said, wait a wait a minute. Hold up now. Well, if you tied on your income tax, then technically you're just abundantly, you're giving more abundance. Hope, so then you get more abundantly blessed. Amen. That's how that goes. I don't tie <laughs> on mine. So Amen. unrelated, but related. Do with this what you what you will. I did see a meme that was like, if I don't make it into heaven, I'm gonna ask the church for my money back. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. And I cackled. I like that. What's your dead butt gonna do with that money? Be in hell twerking? <laughs> it's the principle of something. I don't know. <laughs> so... <laughs> I know, I know. So how did y'all learn about benefits? Like I am going to say for me, life after college, no one sat me down. And I didn't ask HR this, which I'm mad thinking back. I should have really asked. Uh, How do you, how do you even talk to a newbie about benefits? Like, oh, you need HMO versus PPO. You need this doctor. This is in network. This is out of network. Oh, if you do this insurance, do you really need eye vision insurance? Like, oh. All of this every October, November, whenever it is that enrollment period starts, even in my mid 30s, I'm still like, okay, what do I need? What is what? What's the difference between a HMO and a PPO? And do I need XYZ? Listen, and getting that packet, I mean, it might as well be in 14 other languages. I don't know what I'm looking at. I just want to go to the doctor and have somebody help a sister out because y'all gonna charge me $87 for a band aid. I need help. That's all I know. So I I did ask the enrollment specialist to sit down and help me with this. And they seemed like it was the last thing they wanted to do when I was getting on their nerves. Yeah, um, people don't want you to ask questions. I'm finding in my adult life, but that's a whole different, you know, story. So I too am not well versed on the benefits, but I know being a military family, we got this good old government kind of benefit situation that is working real nicely so yeah I think I'm pretty good I know I talked to my husband you know when we need to figure out some things but other than that I'm with the situation that works best for me that I don't really have to know too much about yeah I sat down with an enrollment specialist too and they explained everything I just didn't get it so I don't know if it was the way they communicated to me or what and yes you're correct like the follow-up questions were just kind of like I mean what don't you get and I kept saying everything like I don't get anything like I don't I don't understand and yeah the difference between like the PPO HMO I'm like which one just which one does my orthodontics take like which one can I go to get my braces and I'm not charged out of pocket like that that's, that's the one I want, that one. You didn't ask this, but what really gets me and my wheels and gears turning is actually finding providers. So having to go through network, seeing who that part. insurance, seeing what the reviews are, seeing the location, doing all of that kind of thing. And sometimes even when it says that they are accepting new patients and they are in network, you got to get there. And sometimes you got to have a conversation with your insurance provider. On, is this covered? Is this not covered? Woo, child. It's a headache. It's such a headache. It is such a headache. And especially because I'm wanting specific type of medical professionals and then trying to make sure when I find one that I like, but do you take my insurance? Like, can you help me? You know what I mean? And me not have to pay a bazillion dollars to do so. Like that's, that's all nuts. As far as the, the health benefits, that always gives me a certain level of anxiety when it comes to that enrollment period, that enrollment period and trying to figure that out. I do now know more about my benefits as far as like 401k match and my health savings account like those things I'm more versed in 
than trying to figure out where do I go for ER care or when my nose is running or something. I don't know. But yeah, I know more about the the financials of benefits than I do about the healthcare. That's just that's just stuff. It's just so complex and it's just really confusing to me. When do you think we should be learning about this? Because I know we, I mean, obviously we're talking about adulting and we're learning it after life after college. But when should we really learn about this? Like early, honestly, especially early, early as in like, I would definitely say college because I feel like that's about the time when people are getting jobs with benefits, whether that be a part-time job that offers their part-timers benefits or those people that are also working full-time while going to school and being able to know what those benefits are. And I think it's important. And I I hope there are more companies than I know of, than I'm aware of that actually offer part as part of their onboarding process, like benefits breakdown and how their benefits package works or something to that effect. I know there are some company out there that does that. I don't know who they are or how many companies do that. My, My company is not one of those companies. It's more of like, Hey, Hey, here's your benefits. They're due on the first. <laughs> and like, that's about it. But being able to like have a course on what does this mean and how does this break down and know what do you need like disability or accidental life insurance that the company provides or whatever, like, and what does it mean if you have it? Like all those things are not really broken down and being able to get that information when you get like your first full-time job where you have those benefits, whether that's something you learn in college or whether that's an onboarding process your company offers you. But definitely being able to learn that early because then as you grow and as you move from one company to the next, knowing what types of benefits benefit you is also important because people ask me, do you have good insurance? I don't know. I have no idea what's quote unquote good insurance. I know that I go to the doctor and my copay is $20. Is that good? I don't know. You tell me. I have no idea what the differences are, but Lord knows I wish I'd understood this 20 years ago. Yeah, I know my answer to everything with learning. I feel like senior year of high school. It's not too much teaching that you're doing that. Well, not too much learning that you're doing your senior year of high school. What would it hurt for you to take a basic finance class? Like, I feel like that's necessary. Even if you don't go to college, when you graduate from high school, you're going to need to know how to navigate within this world. Even if you are just working retail or working fast, you need to know these things. So taking a life skills course, a finance course, let's get all them basic life, you know, know skills and concepts together yes in your high school yeah like yeah senior year high school college age maybe not necessarily college but college age and not making it an elective make it a requirement because if you make it an elective then people they will they can choose not to take it and then not to be prepared like that needs to be a required course I was gonna say yeah like junior year senior year because junior year I feel like that's the time when you're getting your high school jobs like retail or like fast food places so you're starting that process but I agree with you like what is what would it take to actually just teach everyone one required course to say hey we prepared them now if the information is presented to you similar to everything else if you don't learn it you don't learn it but you can say you presented it you gave the information out right because like even now yes we can google stuff we can go on youtube and we can learn all this other stuff but sometimes it really takes and I'm going to speak for me on this one because I still barely understand a lot of this benefit stuff 
stuff. So sometimes it really takes somebody going, sitting down with you doing one-on-one. Like, do you understand this? Okay, well, if you were presented with this option and this option, how and the why you would pick this option, right? True. And even the idea that you can Google it or look on the internet for it, that also has an inherent line of privilege in it because not everybody has access to internet. Not everybody has access to Wi-Fi. That is not a utility in our country that is supported by the government free. So in saying people can Google, people can look on the internet, like that's a level of privilege that not everyone has. And the people who don't have that privilege are the people who would benefit the most from that service. That is that. Yeah. So somehow, some way getting this started in every single school. And it's so interesting. I remember I went to a baby shower and one of the, um, one of my friend's nieces went to a school and this school is freaking amazing like she was a sophomore and the program she picked just follow oh my gosh y'all follow this I don't even know if y'all caught that but probably didn't but anyway the program that she picked is she is a business major in high school sophomore her seeing her end of the year project to quote unquote, get bumped up to being a junior was start a business, understand your profits and loss statement, and then be able to make three sales, a sophomore in high school compared to, I'm going to say someone else who is not in an as affluent area. You're barely getting by. if You even got the books or like they say, do y'all even have internet to support the school? Right. And that, ooh, this is going to be a different topic for a different day, but that the privilege of your zip code right? Like if you're in a certain zip code, you get access to so much information versus a different zip code. And you just hope and pray that you can make it to another day. That one left. Um, so getting that's that's that, I was going to say that's a reality for millions of students. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Especially, especially if students that look like us. I was just about to say that. I was like, especially if you're a student and you have any type of melanation in you, depending mm-hmm. on that, you are probably in an area that is not as affluent, right. which yeah. sucks. Yeah, definitely. Which because sucks. that's not, that's not anything that they have control over, you know? Yeah. Property tax, housing discrimination, and unfair economic realities at every turn. Mm-hmm. This is a random question, but have y'all ever owed the IRS taxes? I have not, praise the Lord. Yes but not in the way that other people might think. And I'm going to say that with a little background history for our um, listeners in case they're unfamiliar. So the nature of taxes are that you're not supposed to get a tax return at the end of the fiscal year. Like your taxes are supposed to be done in a way that it's even because for you to get a return means that you actually paid more in taxes in the front end than you were supposed. So I ended up paying, owing money for taxes because I was independent contractor and I did not do my estimated taxes correctly and I did not take out as much as I needed to. So therefore I had to put in money that would have already been taken out had I had a regular nine to five employee employer relationship. So thank you for that. And you segued me into my next question of how did you learn about taxes? Like to do to do taxes or how they work? That's a question. As far as how they work or how to to file myself? We'll start off with how they work. Do I know how they work? I know the government takes a chunk. 
uh, a rather large chunk and they do with that money what they they tell you they're going to do with that money and it just goes in my mind when I get my paycheck or my direct deposit I automatically I don't even consider that as funds because it's like it's out of sight out of mind I don't get it I don't ever get to touch it that's what that just goes and I function budget maneuver with the net right as far as filing my own taxes I've never filed my own taxes before praise the lord for the ability to have access to a very 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 close family friend so close that like that's my uncle but not my uncle but that's my uncle he does my taxes for my entire family and he always has he was a partner with my father way back in the day they were really really close also used to work with them it was kind of one of my first unofficial jobs they like paid me in snacks he's on my taxes every single year so I just present him with <laughs> my w-2s and now all of my other stuff and I'm like ta-da and then he gives me a packet he's like sign here and then I go so do I know what like what I actually have to do yeah no I am going to be doing that more that's something that's on my list of things to accomplish this year is to be more familiar with actually filing my own taxes and knowing what that process is like because this man will soon retire and somebody else gonna have to do it so it might as well be me right we'll see so I learned about doing taxes maybe not my first couple of jobs but like my first job in college someone sat me down and kind of told me the difference between um what do they call it not dependent or maybe dependent whatever it is um where you do like how many people I think it is dependent like how many you have and then that's how they do some taxes and taking out and everything else me learning my taxes and what everything is kind of has been a learning process I used to do my own terrible taxes for a while and terrible tax just walk you through it and you check the boxes does it apply does it not apply to that but within the last two or three years our the woman who's prepared our taxes has actually been a black woman so when she's doing our taxes just a little aside, I feel like when you work with Black people as a Black person, they're more apt to answer questions that you may have when you are questioning what they're doing and more likely to explain what they're doing. So with her, it's easy for me to see that she's marking off boxes and go, well, what is that? What does that do? How does that happen? What, how does that affect all this other stuff? So I've learned a little bit more just in my interactions with her. Advertisement for get people of color or specifically Black people to do your stuff. Word. Gotcha. I um, learned about taxes the hard way of I didn't foul. And so... <laughs> no one told me so I didn't until the IRS said hey yo you owe us some money I was like oh y'all shit and my grandmother and my grandfather was like what you don't want to do ever 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 owe them money Mm -hmm. so that's when I had to learn really quick that I got to pay taxes every year and on top of that, I learned in college that how Nay said earlier, you got to take, they will take out so much from your check. And if you don't, you got to pay that back. So when people quote unquote are blessed to get an, an income, uh, what is it called? Like a, a tax return or income tax. That is a blessing because not everybody get that. I typically always owe. So that is a, yeah, yeah. So I end up having to get a new person to do all my taxes. And he's amazing. Like this is, I want to say the last two years or the first two years, I didn't have to owe. 
or I didn't have to owe them any money. So yeah, I don't like taxes. So there are times where you don't have to pay. Well, you don't have to file your taxes, but it's depending upon your state. Like in the state of Virginia, if you make less than 9,900 and something dollars, you don't have to file a tax return. So you might want to be aware of that in the legalities and all those things in whatever jurisdiction you're in, because you might not have to pay for taxes. And if there's anything like, say it was the money that you got for the coronavirus and everything else, even if you didn't file taxes, if you weren't supposed to file taxes, you could still get that money. You just have to talk to someone who does taxes and then they will show you the ways to go through all of that to get that money for you because it wasn't dependent on taxes. The way that they found you was through taxes. So see your tax, see tax people because you might have money left on the table. That's a very good point. Making all kinds of mental notes. One thing that I will now be well that's now becoming more of a priority for me to learn and to understand our business taxes now that I own an LLC and we're still in like baby stages you know working our way through profit and loss statements and things like that but those are still things that I'm going to have to be well versed in and deductions and you know business expenses and things of that nature so that is a whole other world that I'm now learning how to finagle that will definitely be a learning curve for me personally. The business taxes is that's you know where I you know where I learned about one beautiful thing about having a business from you when you were working with Primerica and you just started the business and I remember you were like oh let's go out to eat and you asked me something like you asked me such a general question about something with Primerica I was like I don't know you're like okay and then that was it and then you wrote on the back of the receipt like oh business meeting and I was like what and then we had that whole entire conversation of like oh well I talked to you about business I was trying to have you as a new client and I was like so if you get a business right off do what Yeah. And these are things that you learned when you, you know, enter into a contractor type position or entrepreneurial type space Mm -hmm. is how to, how important write-offs and business deductions can be to the success of your business Mm -hmm. and also how you can have fun with them because those are always fun. Business trips, gas, write-off, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it lowers your tax burden. And if your tax burden is lower, then that means that the amount that you brought in is lowered, which means the amount that you pay out is lowered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And non-melanated rich to... people know this. Say it again. I said non-melanated rich people know this. That part. And I was just talking to a client earlier and we were talking about her education expenses because she has been investing so much in her education and just learning. And I was like, do you keep these receipts? And she was like, no, what do you mean? No. And so we had to go back and lay some foundation of like every single thing you do for this business. Is it, if it has anything to do with this particular business, that is a write-off. That is something I need you to take a receipt. I mean, take a picture of that receipt and I was like, if you do not have access to anything, you send that to me and we will work it out on my end. But these are write-offs. And I was like, you are leaving so much money on the table, so Mm -hmm. much money on the table. But it goes back to understanding, like if you don't understand basic taxes, you don't understand business taxes, like you have to have that foundation and that understanding. Yeah. And for all of my um, professional organization people, specifically talking to my social workers out there, make sure y'all are keeping your receipts and writing off all of your 
CEUs at the end of the period because those are business expenses. Those are expenses that are necessary and required for your job. So any um, professional degree tests that you need to take, any training materials, any study guides, any, like I said, CEUs. I've even written off Microsoft Office, like the suite studio. I've written off laptops. I've written off my independent contractors, them trap phones that you need so people don't be calling your personal line. I've written those off. I've written off everything because it's all a business expense. I almost even um, wrote off my Wi-Fi because I needed it to do other things. Yeah. And I I feel like even a portion of that you could probably write off, but um, yeah, definitely those CEUs, you can, you can write that off. That's necessary for your business. Log it, keep them receipts and make sure you get them coins back for sure. Because basically the government is only looking for anything that you can justify. If you can justify it, then you can write it off. Mm-hmm. That is a fact. And so um, we're going to wrap up this segment or this combo with one actionable step for each one of y'all to tell a newbie just coming out of college. What is one actionable step that you would give them? As far as healthcare and like your healthcare benefits, when you get to a point where you either have a job that offers those benefits or are considering a job that's offering those benefits, do not be afraid to ask for assistance on on comprehension on what these things are. Worst thing they can tell you is no, or go Google it or what have you. But God willing, there will be someone that you have access to that'll be able to, and that will have the time to walk you, even if it's just a little bit, to be able to walk you through what these things mean so that you recognize them when they show up in your benefits packet. That would be my first thing. As far as taxes go, if you do not have access to a tax professional, if you do not have access to the interwebs or Google or something, go to this good old building they still have them believe it or not they're called libraries (laughs) and you can go in there and they have a plethora of reading materials there'll be a finance section go in there rent a book or go to a bookstore or something it even just get like a taxes for dummies just like a basic general understanding of how taxes work and these are for these are for my high school students that got that part-time job you gonna need these too because this is going to be very apparent for your entire life going forward regardless of if you decide to go to school or if you just go straight to the workforce taxes are inescapable you're gonna need to know how to do this so even start with the basic get an audiobook, go to a library or something. Those would be my actionable steps for those two. So on top of everything that Sunny D just named and described, I would say keep all of your receipts, um, log down all of your expenses because you might be leaving money on the table or paying out money to somebody that you truly don't need to pay. So the worst thing that your tax professional or whoever does your taxes can say is they don't need it. But I would rather you come in the door with a buttload of excess receipts and deductible items and all those things than to leave money on the table. So just bring everything in. They can tell you what they can deduct, what they can't deduct, but just bring everything in. Also, all of my college students, if you have student loans, make sure that you keep and give that 1098E tax reform to your tax professional. That is the loan interest statement that is necessary and that is important. And if you do not turn that in, you can potentially 
actually owe money. So anything that has a 10 or E, anything that says tack on it, keep it. No matter how, you know, minute it may seem to you, keep all of those and turn them in because they matter. With that, we are now going to move on to our next segment of Moments of Melanation. Moments of Melanation. Moments of Melanation is where we highlight a Black person doing their thing. Today for Moments of Melanation, we are highlighting... We are highlighting the Greenwood Bank. So this bank was named after the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was the the Black Wall Street um, in the early 1900s to 1921. But this Black-owned bank is a mobile banking platform developed to keep financial wealth in the Black and Brown communities. All the founders are Black. One such founder is the rapper Killer Mike. And with this Black bank, it's really cool because they have no overdraft fees, no in-network ATMs meaning no ATMs that you have to go to in order to not pay a fee. They have no minimum balance fees. They have no peer-to-peer transfer fees. It's Apple and Android pay compatible. And if you do direct deposit with them, you can have two-day early pay with your direct deposit. They, They have a basic checking account, a basic savings account, which both of those carry no monthly fee, or they have a premium savings account that comes with a $4.99 per month fee. So with this bank, I think it is really cool because it is in line with the Black Wall Street method of reclaiming our financial independence and investing in our own community. So ladies, what do y'all think about that? I need a new bank account is what I think about that. I think that's amazing. And that it's so important important for I'm let me first preface this by saying this isn't about black people just having black things for the sake of blackness right this is really us being able to have a space where we could go for financial education and to get ourselves in a financial position to better ourselves and our families as well as our communities right and the amount of money that major banks make on monthly accounting fees on overdrafts is it's gross it's so much money and this being in this particular bank being able to offer none of that and just being able to offer people a place to put their money to keep it to save it to grow their wealth is so incredibly important and a lot of people don't know about um the Tulsa massacre and black wall street because that definitely wasn't something that was taught in school i don't recall learning that really at all until well after college so it's not surprising that a lot of people don't know about this and the importance of the black community when it comes to finances. So I love this. I'm going online and I'm giving me a couple of accounts for sure. And so maybe I want to push back a little bit. Like to me, I feel like there's nothing wrong with having black stuff just because it's black, because in other communities, it's been statistically proven that their dollar circles around that community like tens, if not hundreds of times, just because they are keeping it within that community. And I feel like if we did that with our community, the financial wellness that we could have as a people would be great because our dollars are circling in all these other different communities. So if we circle that money in the Black community, let's be honest, we can't live a Black-only world. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> that is impossible. So the mm-hmm. dollars are going to circulate to other companies, but well, communities. But I am all for having black stuff just because it's black. <laughs> absolutely, no, I absolutely agree. And when you look at the amount of money that black people spend and how quickly that circulates, like we don't keep it very long. And being able to rebuild a system or community where we can keep that with our businesses and with our uh, neighbors and you know what I mean like just within our community a lot longer the power that that holds and the power that that would give us that leverage it would give us as a community would be so so great I absolutely love the fact that there are more people now that are wanting to have like like to get back to that because that's nothing new when you look at other ethnicities or other um, cultures within this company and within different states or within different cities there's always a little neighborhood that's more heavily specific on a culture or ethnicity because they understand that you know they understand that cooperative economics and that's one thing that we haven't been able to get back to since black wall street and i'm i'm really hoping that this is one more of those steps that we're taking to get us into position where we can have that for ourselves because let's be real like we deserve it you know what i mean like we deserve it we've built this country legitimately on blood sweat and tears like we deserve to have something that is for us unapologetically so And just the fear that was associated with the tearing down of our communities like that. Because let's be honest, Black Wall Street, the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that wasn't an anomaly. There were plenty of those all across the country. Like Central Park in New York used to be a Black community until they raised it and made it the park. There were all of those communities all around the country, but due to rioting, due to burning down those communities, due to legal and unlegal means of destroying those communities. It was that fear associated with, well, if we have nice things, if we do, you know, keep our money in-house, they're going to destroy it. So now I feel like we're just reclaiming all of that energy and saying that we're not afraid anymore. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Well, with that being said, um, as you know, I love that, like you said, reclaiming it and As you all know, we end every single episode with an affirmation. Our affirmation today is... Our affirmation is, I am learning from the trials and tribulations of yesterday and forging towards the beauty and triumphs of tomorrow. I give myself grace in all that happens in between. Give yourself grace. Yes, give yourself grace grace love it so thank you all for listening to this episode we hope um you guys go ahead and follow us on our streaming platforms spotify amazon google podcast you can check out our blog at where's my blueprint and with that we want to say thank you and we are over and out bye peace out <laughs>